Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Explicit Measures Podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Good morning. Happy. Wait. Well, wait. Welcome the to weekend. Welcome Sleep to out Tuesday. Of my eyes. I'm a, I almost <laughs> took Seth's phrase there for a second. That was bad. My goodness. Welcome to Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. There it is. Just in case. Whoa. Just in case. You know, Mike. Mike has an eyeball and stealing my catchphrase. Maybe. I want to. I want to leave it alone. Is it? Is it? Is it really a catchphrase? I don't know. It's becoming one. It's my. It's my thing. So over the weekend, we had a couple kind of a neat announcements come up, uh, some blog posts that I think are very worthy uh, of talking about here, or at least mentioning here. Uh, one of the ones I want to just point out here, this was a post made by, uh, I believe it, I feel like uh, Rui is on a on a, on a, a roll here. He's on a tear. He's on a tear. A uh, lot of content coming out of Rui here recently. So Rui Romano, I believe out of Portugal, I think that's where he's still based out of, um, was talking a little bit about how he was using optimizing DAX and DAX statements to use column fusion, which is interesting. So there's this there's this concept of DAX fusion where you can take multiple DAX statements together and the engine will try to compress them down to a single statement that is faster to run than running multiple statements one at a time. So um, he actually cites Phil Seamark's article around looking at um, his article around column fusion. Really good article that came out. I'll throw here in the chat window. Um, and I read through it. I had to read through it at least twice just to make sure I grasped what was going on here. Um, very interesting talk. Have you guys ever done optimizing like this with DAX Fusion or been playing around with this stuff yet? It seems like a very interesting concept. So this this is like matrix level, like physical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rui's fast becoming my number one lead R Romano in the world. So, yes, I would 100% agree with that one. So let me throw the link here. I'll put the link in the chat window uh, for those of you who want to read about it. Uh, so Rui uh, Romano is uh, discussing DAX Fusion. So let me give you the, the gist of the article so you can kind of get your head around it, right? So the, the idea here is I have a large fact table. And in that large fact table, I have multiple, like a very a low uh, cardinality column you know, region, something like that. There's like four or five items that's in the example that he gives, right? So you have millions and millions of rows and you need to count across those millions and millions of rows and you need to aggregate by a low cardinality column. Well, typically what you would do is you would just do calculate the the measure and then filter, just calculate and filter. And be, when it does that, it actually has to run the entire calculation across multiple partitions for each individual measured calculation. So what he does is he kind of flips the, the DAX measure on its head a little bit. And um, if you adjust how the DAX measure is written, it actually influences how the engine is able to process the data. So in the visual that Phil Seamark was running, there was, uh, in the example that Phil gave, I guess the article that Rui was pointing to, there is four designations of that, of that data type in a single visual. So what can happen now is this single visual can run one evaluation statement that has that is able to break out each of the filter statements for each item. So um, instead of generating a single row where, you know, for example, sum of sales by region equals US, it, the DAX statement can actually generate a table of data for each region by sales and then filter that subset of table down to each region individually. So very, very cool concept. I've never really gone that hard into optimizing DAX statements and working through massive, massive data models. But as things have been getting bigger for me recently here, um, this is becoming more and more relevant for my world. So 
I'm sure that Greggy B will be all over this uh, article and uh, we'll have some opinions and, and we'll be able to know um, he's one of our YouTube followers. So, uh, Greg Baldini, this one's for you, buddy. Some Dax <laughs> for you. We need a Greg Rui like chili cook-off. Dax cook-off. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> awesome. Um, any other announcements? Tommy, something we got a special announcement coming up on Wednesday. Yeah. So I guess we can share, spread the word now. Um, for those who are listening, we have a special episode coming up that is outside of the realm of our normal Tuesdays and Thursdays. We've never said we interviewed, but we are making one exception. One exception for the so hottest this, topic of 2022. The biggest release out of the last five years of power, three years of power BI. Yeah. So we're having Charles Webb on our podcast uh, tomorrow. And Charles and Webb he, is? He is Microsoft. You have the title. Program manager. Program manager. Yes. For the Microsoft product called Charge Party Pants. Yeah. In charge of Data Charles. Marks. Yes. He's in data charge Mart. of Data Marts. So Data Marts came out. Uh, we did a number of kind of, you know, slightly talks around that. And yeah. so um, it's actually a pretty interesting topic. People want to know a lot about it. So yeah. we're going to do a full episode. It's going to be on Wednesday, I think at 1 p.m. So we're going to do it in the middle of the day so people can kind of take a break or, take a, you know, get uh, listen to this without having to be, get up <laughs> early in the morning. For those of you on the West Coast, sorry. Uh, so trying to get more people engaged there. Uh, here's the link. It will be on YouTube and LinkedIn, just in case you want to watch that. Um, yeah, it should be pretty fun. Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> well, we I mean, <laughs> there, there's this part of me that thinks Charles is going to get on and, and be like, guys, guys, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you thinking what are you about? Doing? What are you doing here? Well, I hope but, you've seen the other episodes. Hey, it'll, be, it'll be fun. Nonetheless. He has. I'm looking forward to speaking okay, to good. him and haven't, haven't talked to Charles in a long time. So, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be nice to see kind of, you know, pick some more vision, the, the, the bigger vision of where this is going to go. So yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, if you have any questions around data marts yeah. specifically, you know, feel free to go hit our forms up. We have um, Power BI Tips slash podcast. If you go there, um, you'll be able to go to um, our form where we actually can submit your own questions. So if you want, you can uh, visit there and submit your own questions around data marts. We'll see if we can pick up a couple of those or consolidate some of them down to what we'd like to ask Charles. Well, the one thing I'm excited though too is it's going to be someone we're interviewing, but in our format. You know, I think we we all have some questions that we're excited to ask, and we won't, we we all said when before if we're ever going to interview someone, it has to be the way that we'd want to do it. I think we talked to Charles about it, so we're really excited to really take the explicit measures structure or our call our culture now that I guess we have and bring that to something that's such a hot topic, something that we've talked about a lot and something with an awesome person like Charles. Totally agree. All right, Tommy, I think this is another article we had that kind of came out this week that was kind of interesting. Um, Want to speak to this one? This is one coming yeah. from Datamark. So another person with an, an amazing set of articles, the idea around this is he's actually using parameters and the smart narrative for a pipeline to dynamically change basically the background or the color to say where the uh, where that report is in the pipeline, which is a really neat idea where it's basically, if I didn't know where it is in the pipeline, it basically gives you an identifier using smart narrative to say basically a few things about the uh, report. So it's using parameters, it's using smart narratives and basically dynamically changing that 
part of the pipeline stage, which is kind of a neat idea where it's almost we can change the color of a background to say this is development, this is in QA. Mm -hmm. This almost the same idea that we've talked about with Melissa Coates, where you have that special badge or the background for a certified report. It's the same idea using that in the pipeline stages, which I which I really like because then you can make sure someone using that report in cases someone that's not in the development world is understanding, hey, this report's almost ready to go live for the world to see or for our company to see, but it needs a it's not there. Do not share this information just yet. So I, I like that idea of again using just simple colors, features. Uh, and just quick identifiers to help in that process. Now, I believe this this feature does rely on being in a premium workspace because we are using, yeah. I believe in the article, he's using deployment pipelines. Yes. Uh, but if you are using deployment pipelines, it'll, it's basically, it's a, it's a really neat concept of being able to change a parameter of the report because each environment allows you to do right. so when you move through the different environments. And when you set that, it'll automatically will set this feature or feature set as you move through the report uh, through the different environments. So that's kind of cool. Right. I like it. It was a really neat idea. Good concept. Maybe maybe tying that with, um, you know, a property that would enable like an icon or a visual or, right. or some kind of some kind of something that's denoting that this is in production. It's good. It's certified. I personally love the idea of badges, but Microsoft should do. Um, I feel like there's there maybe should be there would be nice to have like a, almost like a admin controlled certification level on certain things like even almost like a bad like they have certified things yeah but it'd be nice to put a watermark on things as well let the let the admin control that additionally cool watermarks and badges and oh my gifs no no there's oh a my. difference a badge a badge, <laughs> is a badge is something of honor a watermark means you haven't bought it yet mm, it's true it's true <laughs> still still for sale NFTs. Uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> Uh, with that, I think we're, those are kind of our initial announcements, uh, or kind of things that are rolling around from the weekend. Um, there are a couple big events coming up. We're getting even close. Can you guys believe it? September no. is this week. It's this yeah, flowing, flying by. It's just going by so fast. So, uh, there's two events coming on in September. Um, one of them we'll, we'll all be participating with cause it's in our backyard. Uh, we're going to go be going to the data insight summit in Chicago, Illinois. So if you want to attend, we'd love to see you there. Um, all three of us will be there doing some form of talking or speaking at some level. So uh, if you want, it's the datainsightsummit.us is the website. It'll be September 12th to the 14th. I'll throw the information in the chat window just in case you want to see it. And then also uh, in September as well, will be another event down in uh, Orlando. It'll be the Microsoft Power Platform Conference in Orlando area. It'll be September 20th and 22nd. So there's also a promotion code that goes with this one. Check out the chat window for $50 off if you want to use that promo code. So, good luck. Hope to see you there at one of these events. It should be fun. All right. Let's move on to today's topic. This is, this is not a repeat, but maybe like a, a deeper dive on something we talked about kind of a long time ago. Uh, we talked about this concept of the, there's like these three elements that I, I typically feel like I'm working with, um, with businesses or talking with individuals about technology things or building power bi reports um we're talking about people process and technology it's kind of three pillars of things and there's and if you google this thing there's usually more than just people process and technology sometimes people add extra phrases or things like that but i feel like we talk about these three things a lot on this podcast 
and I guess rightfully so. Um, yeah, let's go. Let's just Which go. Which isn't over surprising, right? Because uh, I think, yeah, in in the positions that we are, right? Like we're all working for, have worked for companies that are going through a lot of organizational change, right? So if totally. you think about the the PPT framework, yeah. right? Like little history lesson, you know, uh, th yeah. that I learned as we, we, you know, getting going along the way here is like, it's basically this, this framework that, you know, was, I, I think came up with by a guy named Harold Levitt in the sixties, right. Where he, he basically had, um, his own structure of things that have morphed into, you know, the PPT framework. So his was originally, I think two, two, four pillars kind of not pillars, but like this quadrant where it was like people and structure, like the structure of those people, mm -hmm. the tasks that they do, and then technology. And over time, we've essentially got the pyramid, right? Where it's people process and technology. And, and ultimately we keep referencing this, I think a lot more in recent years because of the fact that organizations are going through so much change. And that's where this kind of framework came from. And I, uh, to your point, I, maybe we talked about this at one point, or at least briefly had an episode, but there was so much to it that maybe we're, bra we're breaking it down into the, the three components or more, as you say. Um, I did see an article that I, I did enjoy. I'll, I'll paste it in the chat here where um, in today's uh, day and age, you know, maybe it should be PPP, PPTD, right? Uh, add a data circle in there because in, in the past, if you think about like where technology has played a large role, it's in setting up the infrastructure. It's in making sure that mm -hmm. systems work together so that processes can be built on those systems. And nowadays data plays a very large role in the decision-making, right? And our role plays with technology and data, but what's more important or is, is data just rolled into technology? I, I thought it was an interesting um, play on uh, framework, but ultimately today we're, we're geared into talking about the, the people aspect of that. And I guess uh, a lot of the different, I, I think nuances and challenges that arise in, in terms of like, what are the key components that we need to focus on? make sure we have to make sure that, you know, when we're geared towards changing something about the organization, all three of these things need to be, you know, playing in sync. And our goal is to drive deeper into these three areas to, um, you know, come up with some new ideas and talk through with the audience, you know, what we think is, I guess, uh, the, the key things to keep in mind, you know, to keep a good balance and hit the objectives uh, of organizations. And Seth, you are right. We did touch on this, but it might've gone off the rails because I don't know someone <laughs> must've mentioned reporter subjective. So it might've, I don't know if you remember this or not, but it apparently was a button for you. <laughs> oh yes, yes. So you're saying I derailed things. Yes. That's entirely possible. That's very much that's possible. Entirely possible. No, but I, I, I love the idea. I think all of us, and I think a lot of organizations too, when, when the technology, or I think we're speaking of this in a, the Power BI realm, it was like, oh, Power BI can solve all the world's problems, so to speak, or this new technology that's so easy to use. But I think for all of us, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's hit us over the head how lacking just the technology part of this is and how important the people in the process make or break 
the ability for the technology to make a difference or to be successful or not. And I, I really happy, obviously we're starting with the people side of things today where I think we all know this too, the people can make or break the success of any integration. I think of any Power BI adoption or the success of any technology implementation. Um, and I don't, I think that rings more true for us in the Power BI world and the business intelligence world. I, th I think there's, um, if I think about this three areas here, I like to think of it as if there are certain parts of your organization that are strong, there's usually one of these areas that are not weaker, but like you're, there's always like, it's, it's always a, you're trying to keep raising the water level in all of these different areas, trying to keep them balanced, I guess. Right. So uh, companies that have very strong process and technology might need some work on the people, you know, education, data, the data culture, or people that have a really strong data culture with their people um, may not be using the best technology or maybe working on improving their technology pieces. I've seen some very strong organizations with great process, but they're running around with Excel all the time. And, you know, too much information lies on one person or the process is great, very well documented, but the technology is, is lacking. So you're kind of seeing like this, you know, it's good to understand that these three things, I think, interplay between yeah. each other and figuring out where your organization sits in that realm. Because then you can kind of figure out what you want to work on. Where do you want to effectively use this one? So I, I guess for for the context of this conversation, right, let's just assume we have good process and we have good technology, right? Because, and we're, we're just focused on the people aspect of things. So in terms of an organization and people, if, if an objective is... Well, there's always an objective to change things that you want to get better where you're focusing on this, this pyramid. So when it comes to people and the amount of work that needs to get done, you, you either, you know, essentially uh, wait until, you know, you can get this objective queued up, you acquire more people or uh, you direct redirect, right? You take people from parts of your organization and put them into, you know, different areas to, to keep moving things along. In in the context of like, um, like hiring people, uh, what we need from people, and then what do we what do we need like for people, right? Like in in that spectrum, like if we focus in on hiring, like what are what are some of the, I guess qualities or soft soft skills that you're looking for for individuals when when hiring? Oh, this is a great question. You're jumping right in, Seth. I like it. So think, things I'm looking for is like a teachable spirit. Like one, one you got to know what you're doing, right? But you also got to be hungry to learn more because frankly, every other week, Microsoft is changing something new. There's something, there's something new that's coming out. You got, there's something new you're going to have to learn. Um, I'll use the phrase here. I mean, one, I'm doing a lot of heavy DAX type things right now. DAX is easy, easy to, easy to, it's easy to learn, but it's difficult to master, right? And so I'm I'm even doing this for seven, eight years now, working with DAX and building formulas and stuff like that. I'm still learning and learning more and more about how it works. I see a funny a lot of funny memes of, you know, just, you know, people with angry faces, you know, me learning DAX, you know, smiley face. You know, me learning DAX as a senior engineer, like on a smiley face. Like it's still it's still a challenge even after all these different uh, experiences because it's it is a very complex piece but it's easy to get started 
So a part no, of, a part of yeah. that is skills, right? You're looking yes. for the right skills. True. And it, and and kind of an interjection in there, right? Is there are lots of different areas of technological expertise that people can have in Power BI. Um, so we get a lot of questions around like, where should mm. I focus my time? Right. Mm. And, and it depends. Right. But what like do you want to do? <laughs> yeah. If an organization has like, Hey, right. we have great, we have great fundamental, like foundational reports, but they just suck visually. Yeah. Right? Hey, if you're great at UI and UX and can, can reimagine what that looks like to drive engagement for reporting, like you can have a person that's specifically just for that. Right. So skills are paramount in, reaching the goals of an organization for, for what their focus is. Well, allow, allow me to widen that a bit too, because well, I think when we're talking about the people part of this, we're not just talking about the BI analysts or the people building the reports. For a successful implementation of this, you need people across the board who have bought in. And in, in all the articles I read on people process technology, obviously outside of just Power BI, number one was the people make or break it. It's, they are basically the number, if you have no people, you have no resources, you have no service to provide, even if you have process mm -hmm. or technology. So number yeah. one, you, and, I, and I've seen this firsthand too, and I think we all have, we all have, where the right people in the right places can exponentially grow the adoption of Power BI and others using it, the influence of the stakeholders, the influence of leadership. Conversely, on the other side, it can dead... Uh, make it go to a dead uh, halt of the actual use sure. case. I would agree with that. And I wouldn't say it doesn't need to be every single person needs to be incredibly strong right. and an expert, but having one person even that has like a good strength around what needs to happen, doing things before has a good uh, level head around, you know, helping people. So I guess I'm going back to your comment, Seth, earlier, where, you know, you know, where should I spend my time? There's lots of places. You can be an admin of Power BI. You could be a data modeler. You could work on building reports and being really good at that, right? You, you, but it also depends on what the organization needs to some level. So Tommy, to what you're, what you're speaking to is like, okay, you know, if I've got a team of five people, maybe not all of them are building reports. Maybe you need a little bit of a mix. And so as, as a hiring manager, you need to, be to, need to be considerate of, as you're bringing someone in, um, you need to be aware of when you're bringing team members to your team of what are they going to be doing, kind of identifying where they sit in the organization and what kind of skills do they need to be having in there? Because I can't I tell you the number yeah. of times people have hired, the hiring managers don't know what they need from someone who knows how to do Power BI. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's, that, that I think fundamentally is, is by been why, um, in larger organizations, I get it. You, 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 you hire, you can hire people, to manage other people in a different area that you're not familiar with. But when you go into the technology area, that's where I've been mm -hmm. very leery of like just ha inserting somebody without technical knowledge, because mm -hmm. that's the hiring person. Yeah. You don't know what you're like. There are so many high level blase answers that you get in when interviewing people that would, if you don't know what you're talking about, would convince you that they do. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I agree, like even outside the Power BI space, right? Skills is a, a hugely important thing that you're ensuring that your people that you have or have to acquire have mm -hmm. the skills necessary to do their job, like the know-how to do something. Um, or you're incurring a large learning process above and beyond the business itself and the processes yeah. because they don't know the technologies yet. 
right? So in there is like the levels of experience, right? If you want to accelerate and you want to go really fast with something, then you need to hire more experience versus being willing to train somebody, you know, who and, may know a little well, bit about the technology. And don't cheap out. Still has a lot of room to grow. Don't cheap it, out. Don't, right. don't, if, you, if you have not a lot, if you need someone to lead the BI initiative or drive a lot of that, you don't want to go out and hire yeah. the, 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 the cheapest person you can go find because, you know, there's a reason why they're undercutting everyone else from a pricing standpoint. Uh, yeah. Either they don't know their value yeah. or, or they are overselling you on what they, what they can do. Yeah, that price. is the easiest question. Like, why would I pay $5 compared to actually paying X amount? It's like, well, that's easy. They'll build exactly what you say, but in terms of actually providing the true value. But I, I want to go back to the point Seth said that I think is really important in this context too for success around this. It's not just what we need from people. It's what do we need to give to people? Because you can hire the best skill in the world. You can hire someone with the right mentality. But if they don't perceive or if they're not getting any um, goal or, or any value from it, they're not going to be motivated either. It's gonna, or it's going to be harder for them to be motivated. You, you want to move is, on so quickly. <laughs> what is... I, I think that, well, it's twofold, though, right? We can't just talk about the skill of the person without no, I, talking about. Yeah, I agree. There's a uh, if, good... I, if I'm going. Yeah, we could, we could take a step back. But I think they're they're too mixed to me. They're the for what we need from people. And what we need to give two people to me are too intertwined to say that they're, they're separate, that they're like separate entities to this. I, I, I agree. Okay. I'm stuck in my own head because I want to make one other point. If we, Go ahead. If we, Go ahead. Like, make yeah. your other point. Make your point. <laughs> so, otherwise I'm not going to be able to, uh, guys, I'll just be stuck there for the rest of the conversation. Uh, okay. no. <laughs> I, I think like in terms of people themselves, right. Uh, um, Attitude is is a large contributor mm. on whether or not you're going to get success out of the people part of that quad, like the not quadrant, the, the triangle quadrant, or whatever. Yeah. What are what are Mike? You had you had a teachable and hungry. What are what are soft skills? Okay. That you look for yes. or would want in and that are important for the success of something within an organization. That's a great point. And I guess. Yep. And Tommy, like follow up if you have some, but my three yeah. that literally verbatim came out uh, from a candidate to a job that wasn't for my team this last week. Mm -hmm. And I, I like in my head, I was like, I would hire you instantly. Right. <laughs> I was like, dang it. You just don't have like, you're not a good fit and I don't need anybody, but you're going to be great on the other one Yeah, was, and they let out with this humility, mm -hmm. which I think drives into a lot of the hungry to learn more, the ask questions they're there. They want to learn. Yep. There, there's a, a, a not an insatiable need, but like they're, they don't come in assuming they know everything and just bash people around with their knowledge stick. They're, they're willing to learn. They want to adapt. And, and that's really important in today's day and age with in, in a data realm, but, or how organizations pivot and they have to shift and they have to go different directions. Integrity, which also is kind of a trust factor. Like if you tell me you're going to do something, I can rely on you, right? It's the, it's that inner motivation of people that pushes them to mm -hmm. um, not kill themselves, right? Because that's a there's there's got to be a cognitive a a sh not a shift a balance, right? Between yes. work life and respecting people's time, right? And but, and I think that dives into the next point you were going to make, Tommy. But stuff comes up. Well, stuff comes up looking also, in, in the trust piece. 
and stuff comes up and you, you know, hey, it's going to take me three days. Ah, shoot. You know, XYZ came up or it was harder than I thought or I haven't really, I mean, a lot of times you're doing, again, in Power BI things, you're, part of it. Yeah, you're, right. you're estimating things that are, you're estimating things that are, you either have done them or you've gotten close to doing them, but maybe you haven't gotten all the way completed. It's, it's the estimating of things that you right. haven't quite done yet or haven't done it like five, six times. So you really don't have a good baseline. It's like, okay, it's going to take me 12 hours. Is it really? Have you really done it before? No, but that's my best guess and estimate. But then just being honest. Again, I like this integrity part, right? Yeah. Being honest. Okay, look, I said it was going to be 12 hours. I'm going to put in some extra hours this evening to make sure I get it done because I said it would be done by Wednesday. It's got to yeah. be done by Wednesday. Yeah. So having people who put a little extra effort in there with the integrity, make your yeses mean yeses and your noes mean no. Yeah. And, and you then, just, oh, okay. last point. And then oh, the last point was just efficiency, right? And, and kind of coupled in here is that communication mm, piece, right? But if you're, if you are, if you know your job well, are you staying on task with it, right? Are you, and there's a lot that goes along with that, but are you staying on task 100% during your day? Do I get 90% of your day? Do I get 80, 70, 60, 50, right? Like how engaged are you in, in uh, towards delivering uh, as opposed to getting distracted? No, Seth, you just gave me uh, inspiration. A, a book I was listening to reading slash is, I think it's called The Ideal Team Player. And it, it speaks to basically the same idea. And it's three words that I, I would look for in anyone, regardless of what position they are. Humble, hungry, and smart. So the humble, you already spoke to that, the humility side of it. Hungry, Mike, you just spoke to that, that 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 learning mentality that you're you're always a student. The smart you would think of like intelligence, like, no, it's um, obviously having the skill, but being self-aware, being smart on where you're at, where are the other teams at? And those three skills for me, those soft skills, it's funny that we all, or you both already spoke to those in, in detail. But for me, if I'm looking for someone on my team or someone to work with or someone to help lead a change or to see something through, those three skills have to be there. If you're not humble, you think you know everything and you're not going to work well with others. If you're not hungry, you're not motivated to me. You know, that hungry to always try to learn or always like, what can I do better? Because no one's perfect. And being smart is just being self-aware. And do you know the skills that you need to achieve this? So yeah, Seth, I, those are great points. But the book I think is called The Ideal Team Player. Got it. Already sent yeah. out the chat. Yeah. Um, one other thing, one other characteristic I think I would like to throw in here as well. I like, I like humility. I like integrity. Efficiency, I think, is also good, right? Staying on task. And I think now in this world where people can work remote a lot more, it, right. it also, I mean, I think, yeah, I really liked your, your comment around efficiency set there. Like, right, our commitment to our companies that we're working for is we're going we're gonna to give you a good solid 40 hours a week. We're going to try and work as hard as we can focusing on that time because now it's, it's as easy as coming downstairs, turn on a computer, and I can be working. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. One other, one other area, one other characteristic I think I would look for is seeing people who are willing to teach, teaching people. And I think this is very essential for people that are coming into an organization where you're trying to build something new. You're trying to generate that new bit of culture around the data, the, the Power BI or data culture you're bringing in. Because a lot of people, a lot of companies that I'm working with right now, they're basically replacing their reporting tools. They're taking out some other tool. And they're replacing it with Power BI. So that means they have skills. There are people who already understand their data. They're business experts in what they have. They just don't know how to do it in the framework of Power BI. And a lot of times when we talk through things, I mean, we've talked about this, uh, I think, on the podcast a number of times, 
Power BI is like a box. It's like a, it's like a fenced in area. If you stay within that fence within Power BI, it can do some pretty amazing things. As soon as you want to walk outside of that framework, want to walk outside or trying to ask for requests that are um, a little on the cusp, on the edge, a little too diff as soon as you walk too close to that edge, things get a lot more challenging. So, and this, I see this very often with like custom visuals. Someone says, I got this visual, I want it to look like just exactly like this. Well, we have a whole bunch of standard visuals that are easy to use and build. What you're asking for, whatever that thing may be, you know, a smiley face that appears or not appears when you're clicking on something or whatever that may be. Yes, there are ways of doing it, but we've added some complexity to the reporting. Mm -hmm. So it's being able to know what that framework is uh, and then being able to teach others how to play inside that framework. So I, I think there's this concept of like being a good teacher, especially for those first initial individuals that you're bringing onto your team. They've got to be smart. They've got to be able to work well with others, but they've got to be able to, to inspire almost to some degree, right? Be able to teach them. They've got to be a little bit of a leader in, in your department because they're going to have to work with, and if we're talking about like starting from scratch, we're talking about building the center of excellence yeah. and we're talking about giving the knowledge of that team out to the broader part of the organization. You're going to have to be gracious there and, and get people up to a level where the center of excellence is, is trying to play. So to me, this is now crossing the 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 realm of the individual compared to the organizational's own talents or the org organization's own qualities right because you can have someone super motivated but i think there is a responsibility for you as the leader or the organization itself to help part with that motivation too and what i what i mean by that is the organization also needs to provide the employees or the team or the project with some quality that is going to help motivate and going to help see it through. You can't just rely on a person in a bad culture to say, you you have all the qualities, see it, get it done. Absolutely. Right. This goes yeah. back to the deviation of like what, what right. you were saying before, right? Yeah. Like if, if we're saying these are like qualities that we would want to see in individuals, right. in an organization, I think what you're bringing up is what you did before, which is what right. do we need for those people? Right. Right. Right from the organization. Right. So, so I'll ask you what, what do you think those things are needed to help nurture that for a team or if you have the right people? I, I mean, so first and foremost, clear role definitions, mm. like what, what is their job? Like, where do you want them to come in and focus their time or as their job pivots, give them clear definitions. Like right. here's what your responsibilities are. Um, I, I think, along with that goes uh, career pathing, right? Like if you're going to invest a bunch of time in an organization, do you know where that time is going to be spent and how did it get to the next level? Because when you're talking about all of these qualities, like in general, people want to, um, at least in our generation, I don't like want to continually work towards the next level or work, you know, know that they have a direction. Um, and then the other the other things that I, I, I see from the organization into these people uh, is relationship building. Like whoever is is managing these people, um, they need to un, like treat them with respect, right? Like they're people. They like the we aren't automatons, right? Like there's right. this old school thought of like everybody just comes in and cranks out and does their thing. And we know, especially with hybrid working environments, like how how things have changed new generations of people coming into workforces like they're the importance for them is 
what is the value that this organization is providing to me above and beyond me just working for them, right? Yes. So relationships and understanding your people, where they come from, the needs that they have, and being flexible in there, I think is really important. And then buy-in, right? Like in order for those folks to buy into something, you need to sell something, right? So as managers or organiza like organizational level down, if you can't get the people motivated to go in a direction, then they're not going to be motivated to go in the direction, right? So there's a, a huge responsibility on the organization, I think, from a call it culture standpoint, you know, setting the framework for things. But if you're going to invest in, in uh, and expect people in an organization to propel you to in a direction, then they need the thrusters to be able to do that. And that's what that buy-in is. I like the relationship building item. I think that's, I mean, I think you had to be like a, a self-advocate to some degree, a, a self-networker, right? If you don't know the answer, you got to go find the people that do know the answer. And I, I think I, I cur I, this occurs to me very often where you're asking questions around, hey, how does this data come out? Where does this data come from? Oh, it's, it's in this server somewhere. Okay. We don't know where it comes from. It just, it just, we just go get it. This is how we connect to it. Like there's, there's potentially like other, you're like, okay, well, you know, you have to kind of use your influence to be like, okay, help me understand where does that come? Who can I talk to? How do you get access? Uh, you know, be, who, how do we get that? How do we unblock ourselves to some degree to get deeper down to discovery of what reports or requirements are going to look like? I think that's, that is a very good skill to have, um, or at least a, a, a good uh, ability for enabling your people to be able to do that. Well, and the buy-in, I, I don't think that can be understated. Um, and just how important getting buy-in from the individual teams or the company as a whole for those people, like both like a micro and macro side of it, like the buy-in from the team and the buy-in from the employees or the people, um, how important that is to efficiency. Uh, I'll give an example. Back years ago when Power BI was a new thing, our team became part of sales. So we would go to all the sales calls and all the sales meetings and you never felt more out of place. We're like, are you ready to make money on your commissions? And everyone's like, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and the so BIT, yeah. we're, we're just like. Um, Motivational speaking for sales teams, I guess is what it would be. Yeah, exactly. It was motivation. We went to these motivational things and the sales team was pumped up. And the BI team was like, oh, this is just more work kind of thing. You know, these are like, and because it had nothing, like the buy-in for us was just to almost survive for whatever their projects were. When we finally did become part of a federated or central team, it was, we're going to make these changes. Uh, you know, like we're going to really make this difference. And it's amazing the efficiency in part of the buy-in. And I, I don't think you can really understate the importance of that for a team to really work together, but also people to really believe in what they're doing. Because I, and I don't want to hear the excuse like, well, you get paid. That's what you're doing. That's where you're buying this. Like, no, absolutely not. You can get by, but people, that's not. People bring a lot of politics into business. Yeah. No, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't like it this way. This is just not how we've always done it. Right. I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, pitching the right idea and getting people to get on board with your idea as you go yeah. through these things. And this, and this, I think it goes, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I think Matthew Roach, uh, from Microsoft talks very highly about like, if you want your BI initiative to be successful, you've got to have an executive sponsor. That's that right. they've got to be on board with what you're doing because there will be resistance. It will be a learning curve for your team as you continue to grow down that direction. And so getting that executive leadership in a place where they understand the vision 
and having i think also again for like a center of excellence having that vision statement of how this people process and technology are going to work inside that environment is incredibly important if you don't care about my people i'm probably not going to care about your process totally yes so so part of this though is like bringing it out just from power beyond the technology yeah. perspective too right like and and this is probably driven by me listening to simon Sinek recently on some, some he's great I, like never stuff. a bad some yeah. great key key thoughts from the standpoint that in order for this work to work right in order for you to have good relationships with folks and and people like big large teams like multi parts of the organization to move in a direction there needs to be like this, a culture of trust, right? Totally. Like, it, 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 what, what are you fostering daily, right? Is it, is it you hammering on people when they make a mistake? Is mm-hmm. it like the negative aspects of things so that people become fearful of asking questions, right. of taking, trying to take ownership in an area that they're not familiar with? Or do people get smacked down? Because depending on how those things happen, Right. You have you, you have people that are willing to take risks or being completely risk averse. Right. They're not going to stick their neck out because they want their job. And the only thing that you've taught them is that if people stick their head out and something goes wrong, their head is gone. Yeah. Right. Yep. Or yeah. you get put back and, in your place. I think, yeah. I think there was a, a, com- a, a comment in, in the chat below related to this earlier, like, the response, the more responsibility you want people to take, whether that's your team or your organization, you need you need them, or I should say, uh, you you need they need room to grow, right? Make mistakes, solve problems differently. You're not micro. The comment was, "Don't micromanage people," right? Mm-hmm. Like, do the people in your teams, in your organizational bodies, do they feel that they? can take it upon themselves to go make a decision or do they have to run it through six people before something actually gets done? Right. Like too. And I think that alludes to like too much process, but at the same time, it's like all of that weighs in on how much people are willing to um, extend themselves in an organization because like, great. The three of us talk all the time. Do you think we have a problem like spouting our ideas? Right? No. Like, because it comes from a lot of learning, a lot of experience, like we have no problem with people disagreeing with us. And frankly, if somebody in any organization we work for, like, you're dumb, you're an idiot, get out of here. I'd be like, okay, see you later (laughs) without a problem. Right. But like most people in general, especially those that you're trying to elevate and push and whatever are not going to just whimsically say like, yeah, I'm just going to go get another job easily. Right. Right. So you have to. Like, that's where I see this, like, oh, it's great to do all these things, but there's a lot of cultural things that have to be in place for people to have the feeling that they're, they can grow. They can put themselves out there and ask questions that they don't know. They can engage in meetings. They can have a voice and then start to make change because you're relying on more and more of those people within an organization to start making decisions on their own. And if they're fearful of like actually executing on something, then it's always going to be the same folks. It's right. always going to be the same people that are always solving everybody else's problems. And then you sit there going, why is nobody else doing anything? Well, and, and it's not just that you're, you're really highlighting to the importance of the people understanding the technology and the process, uh, because just like the burnout all the things are of, of the people in charge of the people that are interacting mm. with the technology. In this case, let's say power BI, even if you have the right people building power BI, 
if you don't have the people who are the stakeholders understanding the tool, you're going to get burnout because they're like, just build it. We need this yesterday. You're a data person. So it should, this should be easy. It's like, we need resources. We need more process around this. You, the, the importance of everyone understanding the technology and the objective of that technology, not just that we have it. But uh, one of the things that I read is when you're designing a service is think about who's using it and what the purpose of it is. So if we have Power BI or we're, we, we're having a big data project, well, what's the purpose of this first, rather than we just have it so we need people to work on it? That importance of the people in charge is, is, to me, like a make or break. And I think especially when we talk in the world of Power BI and our reporting and our adoption. I'll throw another one in here, too. I think uh, what you made me think of there, Tommy, is we talked about a humility as a person, a quality of a person that we'd like to have on our teams or, or working with us. Um, I think along or, or closely aligned with that idea is the idea of empathy, being able to have empathy for people, asking, you know, that's and maybe the empathy piece also goes along with like this challenge of um you know as you're as you're bringing something new to people and you know again, I'm, I'm thinking of the scenario or the use case around we have a bunch of excel processes around it's easy to work with people have been just using these these processes they're they're just doing data in excel not wrong it's just what the tools they've been given that's what they know and so i think there's this concept of you know the humility the empathy coming into a place where people I mean, people may not want to be teachable they may not want to do something more efficiently but this is where you know, the technology world of things has accelerated beyond your normal Excel process. So your existing process was probably, you know, maybe not the most optimal. Let me, let me teach you another way. And I think there's this, there's a, I feel like a lot of times there's this handshake between, um, you know, help me understand your, your, what are your main challenges? Where do you spend most of your time? You ask those kind of questions. They they say, well, I do this thing and I get this. It's so hard to go into this. I have to go to this website every day and I click on this button and run this report and it spits out this file. And then I take this file and I do all these other data manipulations and then out comes the answer that I need to do my job. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a, I've heard anywhere between like, it's a one hour to an eight hour, half a week, you know, big job. That's what I do. And, and then you start saying, okay, I see your challenge. Let me, let me give you some inclination let me give you some uh ideas around here's another way we could solve this here's how we could automate more of this but let me help you and so there's this kind of this back and forth of you know you need something from them you need them to start using the tools you need to start thinking about power bi you need to start teaching them you need them to be uh uh accepted to the learning process but in addition to that you're solving some of their problems and so i feel like there's a lot of this give and take relationship when, we, when we're doing these kind of things tell me your pain points i can help you solve those pain points with this technology piece but it's a people on people reaction. It's a people on people relationship that puts you in a place where people are willing to listen to you. Which I think is really kind of a, a it, I, the more I keep thinking about these three things, the, the people, the process, the technology, man, they're, they're just so, it's a, it's a good three-legged stool from my standpoint. I just really like how they just play so well together. So let me ask you with the, to that point with the empathy side of things, you're speaking very much as the BI developer, yes, right? Yes. Well, how, so how important is the empathy on the other, on the other side? Like if you're, if you're the stakeholder or you, you're part of that process, like you've adopted power BI, uh, your company has, you had no say in it. You're maybe chief sales where where does empathy go in for you in terms of processes or things that you need because hey 
guy used to do Excel. Now you have these random people that you haven't met yet who are going to be getting rid of all of your Excel files, getting rid of all the things you, used you don't, to do. you don't, but I'm saying that you don't get to do that without having that relationship started first. Right. So okay. if you, if you jump, if you, if you run it, so again, what I'm thinking through here is you, as you're, you're trying to build a data, a, a good data culture here inside your company, right? If you just come I, yeah. in and start, you know, a bull in a China shop and you're like, we're throwing all this stuff out. Yeah. It's so inefficient. I got a better way. We're going to start from scratch. You come in from a place of like, now you're not exhuming, uh, exhuming, uh, humility you're not having empathy for anyone you're just coming in and throwing things around right um you're you're coming in you're trying to be efficient but you know if you don't get people's buy-in again a lot of this is i think relationship based it's it's the people part of this that makes this really work you know you got problems here's a way to solve them and so i think i think that's to me that's the more of the key here is uh, being able to understand very quickly or, or in a you know with some meetings what is the core problem that we're dealing with here is it an access to data issue is it we can't get the data moved around? Is it a transformation data issue? What is what is the core problem that we're trying to solve for you here? Let me give you some more tooling. And so it's a give and take thing, right? Hey, you've been always going to this website to get this data. Did you know we have a server that can give you the same information? Or I right. can make this report automatically sent to you or have it in a, a, a accessed in a view, essentially. If you, as, as the center of excellence team, if you can work with your executive sponsor to break down some technical barriers of getting access to the data to these frontline teams that are doing the business work, you make them incredibly happy, right? They can do, they can work so much faster. They get, you know, access to more data, better data. That's what makes their job easier. And so you're, you're, when, when you come in with that, I'm here to help make you things easier for you. Then, then I think there's more of a reception from their side to say, okay, I, you do have my interests at heart, right? You are here to help. You're not here to come in and just be like, ah, throw out your excel process it's 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 junk right yeah so, let, so this is a bit of a loaded question and I'll, I'll ask this to both of you because we're touching on these two points is what's more important the right buy-in or the right people to start off what do you mean by right buy-in because i'm not sure if i understand exactly what they, where sure. you're going with that like what's so what do you mean by that yeah when we say the right buy-in it's you have that objective you have the goal of the team understanding what they're going to be doing and what's expected of them so, so to me, this is speaking and, to like the executive sponsor, the vision of the team, right? Is that what you're saying? Like, is that what you're mean I, by? I, assume assume you have a team. Assume yeah. you have a team. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's all fast. It's the team. It's the stakeholder. It's the okay. people whose processes are going to change. All right. So, they just re need, reiterate yeah. the question for me one more time, so I can like hear it one more What's time. What's more important on from the onset, the right people with the qualities that we've spoke about, yep. or the right buy-in? I'm probably going to start with the people because I think you can earn the buy-in later on. I mean, that's if I had to pick, I mean, yeah. I had to pick one. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're both probably very much like they're at fine. the same level. It's probably hard. It's hard for me to like pick one over the other, right? Because people don't have buy-in on anything, right? At the center of excellence level, if they don't have the buy-in, it's probably not going to go anywhere. It's not going to be successful. Right. Um, one thing I'll put in, it, I'll put out here so, will be is, so, oh, oh, go ahead. Which do you think is most important? The people or the buy-in? The people. You said the people are most. Important. That's what I was thinking. Convince me otherwise. So, no, I, no. I, I mean, <laughs> obviously, I think you're you're trying to hire for both, right? But if yes. if you have a team, right? When when I say the right people, I usually equate that to the skills that they have, right? Because when buy in, buy in speaks to the soft skill to me. Mm -hmm. Like if I can't get an individual to buy in because they don't have 
the, the, the motivation or those other qualities that would allow them to buy in, then that is a much bigger problem than people who have skills. Because if you have a person with skills and they're not bought in, they don't care. Right. Right. Like, like your, your priorities are not their priorities. Their priorities are themselves. And you can say that skills would allow them to do their things faster, but that's not, that doesn't mean that they're using their skills for 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's a balance for sure, but I would rather have people that are motivated and bought in and, um, adjust my plan on when I can get things done. Because if there's a ramp up of skills, I can teach skills. Correct. I can't teach buy-in. I can't teach, I can't teach humility. I'm going to say the people because the buy-in is temporary. The buy-in changes with projects that are going on in the organization and kind of changes with the people who are there too. Like the, the humble, hungry, and smart that that's to me, it's hard to teach that it's hard to keep someone. That's, that's part of who someone is in my opinion. And obviously the skills you can teach someone's skills, but that goes hand in hand with being hungry. And, but the buy-in is going to change based on the projects. You may have some great buy-in for project X, Y, and Z for the six months, but that's something you have to keep up. You don't just have buy-in and you're set for two years. It's a consistent effort to have buy-in. Whereas the people, and that's a rare resource. Some of the stuff we're talking about here that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you might, that you don't necessarily find every person with those particular soft and hard skills. Buy-in, we're, that's a constant effort. That's a constant work that we're trying to do. Yeah, but the buy-in, yeah, the but buy-in all... comes with the buy-in comes with performance, with with good people yeah. and delivering yeah. what you say you're going to deliver. The buy-in becomes either easier or becomes part of the process of like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like it's part of, it's yeah. part of the selling the if vision you, of the buy-in. If you don't if you don't have the buy-in, you don't have the people part of the the equation. You can earn you, buy-in. You, could, you can't earn people. right. But but to your point, I think I think it's a good one. Yeah. which is if buy-in is cyclical because you're going to like, because you're looking at this in terms of like, we're going to ramp up and do this thing. And now we're going to ramp up and do this thing. And now we're like, yes, that is yeah. the, that is a difficult part of it. When I guess what, what I, what I looked at when you were saying like the right people, I equated that to more of the, the skills that they have, like technical skills okay. like in our yeah. realm versus the soft skills. Because if, if they have those soft skills, I'm not going to have a huge problem getting buy-in. And even if I have to do that multiple times in a row, that speaks to me that I have the right people on the team that are engaged in what, what is important to me, the team and the business, because we all have this objective we need to be striving for, right? Skills alone are not that thing. hundred percent. And and I guess so we might exact- be talking past each other yeah, a little bit, but I mean, yeah, to exaggerate or, a little, we're talking the same. I think we're speaking. We're, we're speaking. We're saying. We're. I think we're. We are saying the same thing. To exaggerate a bit, I can get. I can get my daughter, my five year old, buy in to make dinner for me, but her skills may be somewhat lacking for that to be quality. And sure, you but know, that's but something. Yeah, but then, but but think of it in this way. But her skills might be lacking in quality, you say. And if you spent a little bit more time refining those sure. skills, like it gets faster. Yes. You get peanut butter better. sandwiches made. It, like, but, but the yeah. buy-in is not a question. She's always willing right. to make dinner for you. Well, and here's the thing. No, and, no, and you, honestly, you are 100%. I think the problem that we don't have or that we are lacking always is we're always in somewhat of a resource war. Whether it's time to train, 
the uh, resources, enough people if I want to develop this particular person or when you if you don't have that buy in or you're dealing with a lot of projects, your the morale goes down. We're constantly in somewhat of a resource war. It's such a that's such a great lead into process. I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Okay, there. Really into process. Did I, I think write that, that down? Oh, wow. You're I, right, I, Tommy. I wrote yeah. down you it is a pick it up right there. <laughs> so <laughs> so this is so let's that's a good time to kind of close it out here. So for me, I think you know, kind of final thoughts here, right? Final thoughts uh, we're going through here. I think I'm really I liked your 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 analogy, Tommy. As Seth, I liked your your points. You know, humility, smart, you know, having integrity and efficient, right? Those are those are kind of like the three kind of key area or four, three or four key areas I'm thinking through. Right. You want people on your team that can empathize, get in there and make some impact for the direction that you want to go with your company. Right. So at the end of the day, we're all trying to make a paycheck. We're all trying to pay the bills at the end of the day. So I think if you boil things down to the very simplest level, like get egos out of the way um, and, and focus on those things. Um, any final thoughts, Seth or Tommy? Yeah. In just the two, two lines, like what do you need from folks? Engagement, yeah. be willing to learn try to solve problems that are laid out for you yeah. right? Be and, and buy into things. And then uh, what they need, I think is somebody who teaches them Yep. sets clear expectations for, you know, what, what they need, encourage, and then leave room for growth. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. Like I said, I already have a good segue. Uh, next Tuesday, we'll be doing the process, I believe, correct? Yeah, so the idea here is we're going to kind of, uh, this is like a three-part series. We're starting with people right now. I think process will be next week, but we'll do next week on Tuesday. We're going to talk more about the process pieces of this and how that relates to, you know, where we see process fit in, the, in this three-legged stool. So I think this was a really good uh, conversation around, you know, what we, what we look for and what we find valuable in our people across our organization. So with that... We just want to say thank you very much. We appreciate your time listening to us. Uh, you could spend your time a lot of other places, probably learning a lot more things and refining your skills so you're you're better positioned for your next career move, whatever that may be, right? So, uh, but we appreciate you you sitting down with us, listening with us, and uh, we appreciate the chat. The chat's been very uh, vocal here, uh, putting in their thoughts in as well. We appreciate you as well. Uh, our only ask for hanging out with us for this hour, this content is... Please, if you wouldn't mind, just share it with somebody else. If you found some value from this, if you got a couple insights out of this thing that you felt was, hmm, that's kind of relevant, um, we just encourage you to share it either on social medias or talk to someone at work about the podcast and let them know that you find it kind of fascinating. We'd appreciate it. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? Yeah, so you can find the podcast anywhere they're available, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast. Again, the biggest thing that can help us out, if you really enjoy the conversation, spread the word. That's the number one thing you can do to say thank you. Uh, or, or for, uh, yeah. Uh, and also join the conversation live seven 30 in the morning, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Don't forget tomorrow. Data Marts tomorrow. Microsoft special edition. The battle. Kind yes. Of thing. If you, and if mono you mono. yeah, mono, mono, if you want to, uh, you can go out on LinkedIn and you can add it to your calendar tomorrow. So that way you can have a calendar invite and it'll then notify you, uh, it's when it shows mid, up. It's a midday, midday, midday yeah. event. So you don't have to get up early for that one. Everyone's thinking, Oh, thank goodness. Anyways, thank you all very much. We appreciate your time and we'll see you tomorrow for another episode. All right. Thanks. Bye.